The Sour Hour is meant for the serious brewer. The Sour Hour may contain some seriously funkified content. The Sour Hour is not for the faint of heart. So exercise some damn discretion, would you please? Sheesh. And now, here's the Sour Hour with Jay Goodwin. All right. It's that time again. Back on the Sour Hour on the Brewing Network. I'm your host, Jay. Got to mess with my headphones a little bit. There we go. Here at the Brewing Network Studios in downtown Concord with my good buddy Scott. Hey, Scott. Hey, brother. How are you doing? Good, man. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Got uh, Aaron behind the glass today. Bartender Aaron. No headphones on. This is It's part of being behind the glass back there. You're not allowed to actually listen to what's going on on the shows. Yeah, wait, he's scrambling. You're doing your best uh, Bevo imitation where you're not paying attention to anything going on here. you got to press the, the button. I think it's on. Yeah, oh, yeah. It is. Yep. Rocking. How's it going? It's going good. Decidedly less good looking than Bevo. No offense, Aaron. Bevo's hot. She is. <laughs> what do you got there, lemonade or something? It's a boba tea. I have. I don't know what that is. I've never had that, but I see that around. This one's honey lemon with aloe vera. No boba. <laughs> are you supposed to drink that? Yeah, aloe vera is, a, is like skin lotion, isn't it? <laughs> why is this? Why are people consuming it now? It's refreshing. What is boba? It's the it's the tea with all the little uh, like are they tapioca, tapioca balls in the bottom of them? It's like a trend now, isn't it? It's yeah. like ramen shops and boba tea <laughs> and poke bowls is all you can find now. I like poke bowls. Yeah. yeah. Oh, me too. Really good. I don't know what the difference is between that and, like, a sushi, sushi. bowl, but <laughs> it's nothing. I like those. <laughs> Good talk. Yeah. Good job, guys. <laughs> Better talk later with tonight's guest, world famous, Deschutes Brewery. I am That's so a big get. Yep, That's it a big is. Get. Yeah, unlike uh, Aaron, I have a beer in my glass in preparation for the mm. show, specifically sour beer. Good. He's yeah, what beer is that? Hmm. Uh, it's by... They came up last week, the the place with way too much... Uh, high, too high acidity in the... Uh, the uh, rare barrel. That was it. Burn. Thank you, Scott. You're welcome. We'll cut that out in post. <laughs> now, we have uh, some great brewers who don't have too high of acidity. Ben Case and Veronica Vega from yeah. Deschutes Brewery. So we're really looking forward to uh, diving into what they've gone on with their program. And it'll be fun to see kind of... You know, we have a lot of uh, got a lot of different sized breweries from different backgrounds, but Shoots has been around for a long time, and uh, obviously make a lot of amazing beers. Uh, some of the beers that got me into craft beer for sure. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, Black Butte was mm-hmm. uh, a gateway, one of the first craft beers I ever truly loved. I, I would agree. Same thing. Big Black Butte fan. Um, so you know how to use the resources of a big, long-standing brewery to uh, start your sour and wild beer program. We'll dive into that with those two. Uh, if you'd like to dive in with us you can contact us but just you know don't burn down the phone lines too quickly yeah not all at once you know maybe some of you wait till the second show that might be for the best we still got people on hold from last week yeah i think they hung up like just uh, 45 minutes ago or so but they hung on for a a good seven days call back uh 888-401-BEER uh you can join us in the chat feedback email us scott at the brewing network.com jay at the brewing network.com 
watch us live. We are we are live. We yeah. are live. Uh, thebrewingnetwork.com slash TV. You guys know the drill. Listen live, the Brewing Network app. Search BN Mobile, and you can subscribe. That's what we really want you to do. It uh, helps us out a lot and gets us sponsors and the Brewing Network, the big bucks, and keeps our one light on. Sometimes AC <laughs> helps out and subscribe. And then uh, go ahead and leave us some feedback on iTunes or wherever you do that stuff. And I, I don't know if we're going to do a, a song or not. Uh, we sure are. Yeah, we have um, a review and a song request here from Barefoot Brewer. The mm. title uh, It's a five-star review. The title of the review is, All Right, It's That Time. Yep, it's that time, Jay. It's time to get all those jugs off of your parents' basement steps. Mm. Please let us know how they taste. Love, Mom. Yes, I request. <laughs> I request Renegades of Funk. <laughs> so, thank you for the review, Barefoot Brewer. Definitely and not my mom. <laughs> she's not a big Rage fan. More like Fleetwood Mac. What's the difference? I don't know. Zach De La Roca. I don't listen to Rage, so. And uh, <laughs> and uh, what's her face from Fleetwood? What's her name? Stevie Nixon. Stevie Nixon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The same person, basically. Yeah. 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 So here's the thing, Barefoot Brewer. I love that song. It's a great album. I enjoy Rage Against the Machine. It doesn't really work as a rejoiner because there's lyrics right away. Do we play that? Like, I feel like I hear that sometimes when we're just like sitting here. Yeah, just because, yeah, it's got the funk in there. And I do play it sometimes mm-hmm. uh, for the live shows. You don't hear oh, podcast yeah, yeah. subscribers. Okay. You don't hear it during the breaks. But I'll, if live show, I'll play it during the break sometimes or before the show, after the show. It's part of the, the playlist because mm-hmm. it's got the word funk in it. But as a rejoiner, and I don't know, maybe we did make Is there a, a different clear, rage song. Yeah, there's. I used a couple rage songs for rejoiners back on the session, back in the day, and and it's it's ones that had lead up. Like here, I'll give you an example. So here, here's Renegades. Uh, you can't stop us now. So no matter it's, it comes right in, no matter how hard you try, it's like the first thing. There's no matter. We can't come back to this. I don't know. Just let it roll. Okay, well let's try it. Here's where I would cue you. And we're back. I wouldn't do that again. <laughs> This is too much lyrics. Because now I have to play like a a, uh, a liner, somebody mm-hmm. talking over this, but Zach's talking, mm-hmm. you know? What about right? Coming up right here. And you fade out. All right. Does that work for you? We are back. Yeah, whatever. Really? We just did it anyway, so. Okay. <laughs> I appreciate the the review and the suggestion very much. I'm just not sure if it really works for a. Uh, and that's fine. Keep a region. Like here, here's Down Rodeo. Like this one, I think works a little bit better. Like we use this one for the session because you have a thing instrument here. Now you can have like, hey, Sejon, a la Brassi Cantillon. It's really could say the sour hour on the brewing. <laughs> I screwed it up. That was pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> See, no lyrics. And we did. I yeah. use this for the session. I think it works nicely. So there, there are other songs, you know. Anyway, we'll, we'll count that as doing f- fulfilling our promise. Yes, by playing that actually on the show. Yeah, continue to leave that feedback, and uh, we'll read it and play your song. And if your song's terrible, we'll play it on the air for a re- like if it's a bad rejoiner. Right. You'll get it on the you'll, air. You'll get so most of the first maybe, segment devoted to maybe you. Maybe we just yeah totally <laughs> screwed that up. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, what else, Scott? We're, we just did a show in real time a week ago, mm-hmm. um, back in the studio. We had Mitch from Speciation. Speciation. See, that's the thing. I do the shush on the second part. 
Uh, do we? Oh, do we have Danica saying it? Oh, I you should cut that out. Her. Yeah, I should. I just have the stupid internet pronouncer. It's not as fun. Speciation. Artisan ales. Yep. Western Michigan. Great stuff. Uh, really fun beers and pretty new. I think he said eight months. What less than a year? Definitely check it out if you're in the area. I think we discussed that it's not up for much distro yet, but you know people find a way of finding these sour beers from time to time. So if you see it around, uh, definitely give it a try. Uh, I also mentioned on the past few show, shows, I feel like, uh, that the Rare Barrel uh, Club is going to be back open to, uh, well, it's reopened to existing members right now. The public sales are going to happen uh, if, the, if there are spots available to the public on October 10th. So the Tuesday, 9, p- 9 a.m. Uh, Pacific Standard Time, uh, right after GABF. So uh, if you guys are interested in more Rare Barrel beer, I'd sign up for that. And this is always true, but we're really excited about what we have going for the club next year. And, uh, you know, some of these projects we have to start, you know, kind of way in advance. And I don't know, I just really like the direction the beer's going right now. And I think it's an exciting time for, for people to, to try out what we're doing. And definitely, you know, the things we've learned on this show have influenced the direction of the brewery. So if you want to see the, the culmination of that in alcoholic liquid form, then... I recommend the Ambassadors of Sour. Is that a good sales? Me bit? too. Yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> not that the not that you need it. That program sells itself, man. I hear people, including half of our staff here, just raves about that club, and they just really enjoy being an ambassador and the releases and yeah. Which and I heard yeah, uh, ambassadors only uh, blend. That is a new benefit for the 2018 club. So this, this one that I'm talking about. Let me see if I can remember all the details. As I told Scott, I didn't get a lot of sleep last night. So. Should I just call, should I call Danielle and just have her say it? Uh, Tyler would know best, but um, but yeah, I you know I appreciate the compliment on the club and our staff works really hard. I, I do think it is uh, you know, and I don't have that much to do with like the quality of the club, so I don't feel like I'm complimenting myself here. I really do think it's the best club out there. It's really well run. Very, we're very responsive. We listen to the club members and try to make their experience better. But uh, yeah, 10 exclusive beers, growler, discount on everything, first access to pretty much all of our bottle releases. It's, it's a lot of good stuff. And then the members who have been into the club for five consecutive years are getting like an additional exclusive blend. Awesome. But we're keeping that under like the, the rest of the details under wraps for okay. now. But it's going to be great. And uh, yeah, I recommend you check it out. If you want to check it out, log on to the rarebarrel.com. Oh, sorry, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> Not sure what that noise was. That was that was me turning on uh, Aaron's mic and he's making noise back there. So it's my fault. I'm sorry. I meant to ask, are you an, are you an ambassador? I'm not. Okay, I know uh, uh, operations director Kevin is mm-hmm. and general manager Eric is, right? Jason. And Jason, yeah, bartender Jason is too. And I, I've tried, if not all, very many of the. Uh, you guys should start charging me for beer. Ambassadors release it. Because it's a good deal for me. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> no, it's great though. So uh, check it out. Um, and then one more thing, JBF. By the time these shows come out, we'll be heading off to JBF. Come by the Rare Barrel booth. We'll be pouring sour beers there. Come say hello. You know, I feel like I should plug the uh, the live show. Part I of the have that time. on my list here, so oh, why don't you do, you do that? Right. Well, no, I, I was going to hand it off to you because I'm not going to refer to where it is. <laughs> oh, I see. He's <laughs> paranoid. Uh, we are doing a live broadcast of this show, a remote from the new Hop Grenade in Fort Collins, mm-hmm. Colorado, in Midtown. It's the night before... 
GABF kicks off. It's going to be October 4th, Wednesday, Wednesday night. Mm-hmm. Uh, GABF starts Thursday the 5th. So come on up to Fort Collins uh, on a Wednesday night the 4th. I know that we're also working on a, uh, a charter bus from the Denver area mm-hmm. uh, up to Fort Collins for anybody who wants to come check out. It's, uh, it's going to be like a Fort Collins brewery tour. Of course, it'll start and end at the Hop Grenade. You'll be able wow. to come. We're doing a, a craft series uh, there at the, at the Hop Grenade with the Rare Barrel that night. So in addition to the live show, you'll also have uh, bottles and, and taps full of Rare Barrel beer, which does not go to Colorado. So it's a great opportunity to uh, catch the show live, to meet Jay, and uh, to uh, try some of his beer. Yep. There We're in Colorado. working on getting some, some local brewers on the show, so we can speculate as you will about that. <laughs> yep. And, uh, yeah, I'd love to see you guys out there. And if you're coming into town for JBF and you're thinking, oh, you know, I'm, I'm, there's a lot of events around town in Denver, but this Fort Collins thing sounds kind of good, come up to Fort Collins. It's really a, a beautiful city, and it's going to be a lot of fun, and it's not the worst to get out of Denver for, for one of those days, I'd say. Absolutely. So, yeah, join us there. And then uh, we're also going to be at the What the Funk Festival, so which is actually the same day. So you can come say hello to uh, Jordan, Danielle, and Stefan, who will be working that fest and pouring some rare barrel beer there. Nice. All right. I think this is what we should do. We should get a question. That's brought to us by SourBeerBlog.com. All right. The longest-running sponsor of the Sour Hour. And now, Scott, they're opening a sour and farmhouse focus brewery. I'm acting surprised. <laughs> In are? central Pennsylvania? What? Help get them started. Join their Founders Club, which includes eight exclusive bottles of club-only aged and blended sour beer. This is in competition now with what I was just promoting. That's okay. Join both. Early access to all their public bottle releases, a hooded sweatshirt, a pair of tasting glasses, club growler, and this is what we don't have, so shit. A metal <laughs> challenge going, not to mention discounts and much more. To learn more and, and join the Founders Club, check out Mellow Mink Brewing, which is the name of the brewery, at mellowmink.com and help support our great sponsor, Dr. Lambic. All right. Rare Barrel, officially the second best club. Well, this club doesn't exist yet, so but you should join it and well, find join out. join it and then make it a club. Yeah. yeah. It, could, it could be number one. I'm not saying anything about that. It's just, you know, that's future talk. Here's a question from Eric from the archives. This is from back in January. He says, uh, hey, Jay and Scott, love the show. Perfect mix of entertainment and information. Great music, too. Way better than those other BN shows, like The Session, Brew Strong, Brewing with Style, Dr. Homebrew, is that it? I wasn't I listening. Think that's it. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah, all right. He says it makes his long work commute a little easier. Lunch cool. meat? Oh, let, yeah. I don't know if you call that a show. I don't yeah. know what that is. Yeah. All right. Thanks for the compliments, Eric. I never I listened to Lunch Meat. You never did? Actually, I've never heard an episode. I just heard of it. Okay. Well, now, I mean, this now it's a thing. Now you can't listen to it because you've never listened to one, so you got to keep that streak going. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I will try my best. <laughs> <laughs> Eric says, uh, I've noticed in recent shows you have been talking about total acid measurements and how they are better at measuring the perception of the acidity of a beer versus simply measuring pH. Keep in mind now, this is like he's talking about the end of 2016 here. Uh, I'm curious as to why this is the preferred method of measurement. Can you explain the differences in the measuring processes, like, you know, TA versus pH, the pros and the cons, and also explain and how production brewers measure TA and how home brewers can measure. I'm assuming pros have fancier and more expensive equipment uh, than I can invest in on a homebrew scale. Also, are TA measurements something you would do throughout the fermentation process, or is it mainly used when blending? Mm-hmm. Lots of questions. I'll start with one, the earliest one that I remember, and then I'll have to check back in with you, Scott. Okay. 
T is a good measurement uh, because it. I think it just scales better. pH goes down as the acid goes up, and there's an enormous, from my taste, an enormous flavor difference between 3.0, 3.3, 3.6, and 3.9, just incrementally. Even two beers that are 3.6 can taste quite a bit different in the acid character. Titratable acidity uh, goes the opposite way. So, you know, a 3.0 beer uh, could be, you know, barely perceivable with acid. And then some of the more sour beers I've seen tested are like in the 12 to 15 plus range. So it's an easier metric to use. I think it's a, it's a truer test of the level of acidity. The problem with all of them is they don't tell you what types of acid. So even the confusing thing to me about titratable acidity is, and I can't even explain this, even though it's been explained to me many times, but it gets reported as an amount of some type of acid. So I'll give you an example. It could be five grams per liter of lactic acid, or it could be reported as... This is not going to be accurate, but eight grams per liter of acetic acid or something like that. And essentially, those are the, as far as I understand, those are actually the same values, and they're not actually measuring the amount of acetic acid or lactic acid in the beer. It's measuring the total acid. It's just the way you report it. So I'm, I'm probably confusing you more than you need it to be at this point, but I just wanted to throw that out there that I'm also very confused by that. So TA is great. Uh, it's something that we're we're investing in. I think that one of the next questions were, uh, how do you do this? pH meter is kind of the way to go as a home brewer, I'd say. You can get the titratable acidity set up. Kind of the manual way is with titration. So I don't understand that process well enough to explain it on the air, but you could easily look that up and find it. But it's, it's very precise and uh, laborious. So you're, like, dropping these drops into it. This like long glass tube, and you know you have to be very accurate and meticulous about it. Uh, so that doesn't really sound that good. pH is pretty good for how cheap it is. We're at the Red Barrel. We are transitioning to using a lot more TA readings. We're getting this uh, machine from Hannah Instruments. That's like eight or nine hundred dollars. That'll just do. The, the TA like in an instant basically so you put the sample in you get the titratable acidity at that point it makes it worth it worth it for us and then I think one of the other questions is when do you do it do it all the time I mean as long as you're able to take as long as you're not over sampling where you're like making the beer worse because you're taking so many samples you know I think it's valuable to have these figures at a lot of different areas of uh, fermentation and even post packaging and stuff like that so we haven't done all those readings yet so i can't comment on like oh here's the real critical times but i mean certainly before and after any additions or blends would probably be a good first place to start gotcha i'm gonna go on because uh eric has a, a second part to his email okay. that doesn't seem like questions but it's just kind of a cool little synopsis of uh, his program he says i've been home brewing for seven years but i've only recently ventured into brewing sour beer it's been a fun relearning it's been fun relearning and experimenting I fermented a couple of fruited sours so far. I've been using the same method for each batch. Start by brewing a base beer, mostly copying uh, the Rare Barrel's Golden Sour recipe I found online. I think uh, that recipe calls for spelt, and I substituted flake wheat because my local oh, homebrew doesn't... Oh, huge mistake. 
No, sorry. <laughs> His local uh, doesn't carry spelt, he says. I inoculated my first batch with 23 bottle dregs I collected from my favorite sour beers, including wow. the Rare Barrel, that I had stepped up to a two-liter starter. I generally let this ferment for a month in primary until it hits my theoretical terminal gravity. At that point, I've been racking the soured base onto fruit and then popping a new base wort immediately onto the yeast slurry and starting the process over again. I've then been allowing the beer to sit on fruit for a month then bottle condition on their side in 750 ml champagne bottles for another month only priming and bottling and not pitching any sack or brett so a three-month process which seems pretty short but i'm getting a lot of acidity and most of the bottles have been stable no breakages and only minimal carbonation issues i think it's functioning like a solera thus far going to ride this as long as it is working uh, i've been pretty pleased with the blueberry cherry and mango bottle so far i've got a prickly pear version bottle conditioning now passion fruit version on fruit and guava base souring up he says i live in san diego and he's been lucky to get the fruit from a couple acres of land that his wife manages for her parents. That's cool. And then he also said he wants to ship us some bottles, which I'm only reading this email now, so I'll, <laughs> I'll email him back on that. So that's cool, man. It sounds like you got a cool program going there, Eric. Yeah, just watch to see if your Solera gets too sour. Because if you're just repitching wort right on those, you know, I'd maybe start to introduce some Saccharomyces, up your hopping rate, and maybe even just take some of that culture out, use less of it when re-inoculating a new beer, just to, to keep it keep it in check. And if you're listening to this now, email us back and tell us if that's what actually happened. Yeah, indeed. And so, per what you just said, is there any way that it wouldn't acidity level wouldn't just keep increasing as described? Some people say that. I mean, we've had uh, brewers and blenders on this show that say they, you know, we ask them how does your culture drift over time, and they basically say it doesn't. Um, now, that's awesome. I wish that was true of our cultures um but i find that it's it's pretty different for everyone and just in that scenario i'd say i can't say what percentage of times that's going to be of concern but it's a high enough percentage that i wanted to mention it basically so keep an eye out for it and like like he said you know he's going to go until it doesn't work for him anymore and then i'll go from there cool let's talk to the shoots let's do it but before we do scott yes let's take a quick break okay we'll be right back on this hour hour Hi, this is Ryan Whedon, the host of a new podcast called Branding Brews. Branding Brews is a show focused on marketing, branding, and design for the beer industry. I have spent over 14 years as a professional designer. As a host, I bring my knowledge to the show to interview other great beer professionals. Whether you're thinking about starting a brewery, already own a brewery, want to learn more about marketing beer, or you're a seasoned veteran, this show is for you. This show will cover topics such as rebranding a brewery, package and label design, crowdfunding, design, social media, plus much more related to promoting and creating a great beer brand. Make sure to check out the show along with useful show notes at brandingbrews.com. You can also subscribe to the Branding Brews podcast in iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Again, check us out at brandingbrews.com. Shoots Brewery on the show tonight, but before we reward your patience, 
with great sour beer information. I'm going to thank a couple more of our sponsors. The Wine and Hop Shop, wineandhop.com. You know what it is. It's where to get your sour beer, wild yeast, and bacteria from Omega Yeast and Giga Yeast. Most items are going to ship within 24 hours. And best of all, being listeners in the continental United States get a flat million dollar shipping rate. Oh, no, sorry. Eight dollar shipping rate. <laughs> I knew so it was changes. Yeah. Eight dollar shipping rate on orders under 25 pounds. Just enter BN Shipping in those field of the shopping cart and the discount will be taken off after checkout. The Wine and Hop Shop, Wine and Hop. Com. Com. And one more, Oregon Fruit. Love them. Our, uh, we use their pink guava uh, puree, one of our recent beers, just tasted today. Really good stuff. Uh, they have aseptic purees that are easy to use and convenient to store. No additives or artificial flavors. It's simply great expression of the raw fruit. They love working with brewers to help us innovate. Check them out, fruitforbrewing.com. Oregon Fruit. They bring fruit L'chaim. to life. All right. So I believe on the line from Deschutes Brewery, we have Ben and Veronica. Are you there? Yes, we are. Excellent. Thank you guys so much for joining us tonight. Thanks for having us. So I think a lot of people are familiar with your brewery, but um, I think some, you know, at least as part of the reaction that I've gotten with telling people how excited I am to have you on the show is that uh, there's not as much visibility on your guys' sour beer and wild beer program. So why don't you tell us a little bit about how that all started and what it looks like today? Sure, yeah. Sour beer program for us started in uh, about 2008 with uh, Dissident when we released that as part of our reserve series. And on a large-scale format, Dissident has really been our at first every other year beer um, and then a couple years ago we started doing it every year um, but we haven't really had a, a lot of other large format releases a lot of our other sour beers have been smaller scale stuff that we've produced and then sold out of our pubs or uh, just some one-offs for our brewers to kind of mess around and try some things out yeah about I don't know, would you say about four years ago we started the small batch reserve uh, program, and those beers aren't distributed, so you have to pick them up at the pub or tasting room. So definitely more for the people that are seeking them out. Those are really small batch for us, you know, 20, 20 barrels max compared to something like Dissident where we're releasing about 200 barrels to our full footprint. Gotcha. And just, just so people know, how many locations are you guys up to where people could pick up these beers? Well, we just added a fourth about a week ago. So we've got our original pub in Bend, uh, where the company started in 88, and then we have our production facility in Bend as well. And then in 2008, we opened our brew pub in Portland. And last week, we opened a tasting room in Roanoke. It is a, as a lead up to uh, opening a production facility there in a couple of years. I heard that just opened. That's awesome. Congratulations. Oh, thanks. Thanks. We're so excited about it. I, I personally can't wait to go and walk through the doors and taste some of our beers up there. We went there, uh, Kevin and I, operations manager Kevin and I, when we were scoping out uh, possible lo- second locations, and we did a whole road trip. But that's when we went to the uh, the Funk 
maybe I won't mention what we went to out in uh, Asheville, North Carolina. <laughs> and uh, anyway, we did a, a road trip and uh, drove through Roanoke, and uh, it's a great it's a great town. It felt ripe for something just like a, a Deschutes brew pub. Yeah, that's that's what we have felt throughout this whole process. I mean, the excitement that we feel from the community there has just solidified that decision. And like overall, we're such a community focused brewery that to have the community already welcome us and know that, you know, we will try our best to bring good things to the community is, is so awesome. And to be able to go to a tasting room there now and have people drink and, you know, share beers with people there, that's going to be amazing. Yeah, that sounds awesome. And it, it's great to get the, the background on Deschutes, but uh, Ben and Veronica, what, what have been your guys' stories and how you've kind of come to this place and kind of fell into uh, working with Sour Beer? I'll start out. I started with the brewery uh, back in 2004, brewed for two years, and then left and came back in 2008. So for the first four or five years uh, working for the company was in just uh, production brewing, then took a position to uh, run our cellar sellers as uh, an assistant brewmaster for two years and then in 2012 moved up to portland and for the last four years have been up there managing pub operations at our portland pub and then moved back to bend in december uh, to manage our oak program so experience with oak uh, up to this point has been largely just on the pub setting Uh, we were kind of talking about our uh, pub reserve small batch series uh, you know, we would get together and kind of put together a lot of the ideas for those projects and then brew them at the pubs, send uh, barrels from the production facility up to each pub, and then bring the beer back for maturation and uh, just finishing processing at that point. Yeah, and I, I, I mean, I'm similar to Benny in, in the sense of that the bulk of my brewing career has been at, at Deschutes Brewery and trained through um the years here, you know, I started as a production brewer and then had some years at the pub, about four years there. And at the pub level, like Ben said, we had these opportunities for these small batch projects, but we also had our own barrels kind of squirreled away in the corners that we could <laughs> could find corners in both of our respective pubs. And, you know, I, I had two underneath the stairs there that I would put beers in there and then, you know, a year or two later, pull them out and then just refill and, and not really get into exact pitching. But once I once I found that I could refill those barrels and get um, a nice pellicle overnight, I, you know, I was I was like doing a dance in the restaurant. Like, yay, it's, it's happening. I'm making sour beer in the restaurant. <laughs> um, and then about two years ago I moved into my current position in which uh, is brewmaster of product development and so um, I received pub breweries and um, the barrel program and you know I'd say about a year and a half ago we, we added you know what, about 12 fooders to our program and so Ben came in right at, at that change and it's been really exciting to work with Ben because I think both of us are equally passionate and excited about making sour beer and bringing this to our brewery and and kind of opening a new chapter for for these types of releases in in smaller um releases and you know so much so to like 
you know, probably the grumblings to each of our families, like we're like calling each other, you know, at eight at night, like, oh, and I thought of this and that and the other. And um, so, yeah, it, it's been kind of fun growing up together at Deschutes. It's such a cool, like, creative dynamic. It's almost like a band. You're calling each other in off hours, like, I have an idea for a song. You know, it's like so much more than just a working relationship. It's so cool. Oh, totally. Like, yeah. both of our spouses do not like having beers with us because all we will do is talk about Yeah. Like, oh, great. Talking about beer again. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, you're just drinking work at that point. But that's. It, it does not feel like work working together on, on these types of projects. Yeah. We're, we're both so fueled and excited about them that yeah it's just how to make it happen and our, our small victories you know day to day that's excellent it definitely seems like uh, a long process to get where you guys are now but it's also an exciting time you know you mentioned you got 12 fooders i'm wondering what's going in there and maybe you could just you know kind of in that context give us a, a little sense of the the scale or the scope of your program and and how big it is Sure. Yeah. So our overall oak program, uh, we've got about 2,300 full uh, casks right now just for our entire oak program. And that's about uh, pretty equally split between uh, just, I guess, clean oak beer, uh, things like our anniversary Black Butte, um, Abyss. And then we've got about a thousand or so casks altogether split between a couple different sour projects. Um, our fooders, we've got about 400 barrels of total capacity split between those. And size-wise, they kind of range between um, 100 hectoliters is the, the largest one that we have. And then we go down to the smallest one we have is about 15 hectoliters. And we've got that little guy hanging out at our uh, Ben pub. Uh, but for the most part... They're running around like the 50, 30 to 50 hectoliter range. Um, what we've been doing, so we're still in the process of going through and getting some of these up to speed and getting them filled and kind of getting that product going. But what, we're, what our goal is with these is to have a couple different um, sour mixed culture streams that'll be relatively high acidity, but suitable for blending for other projects. So we've got our largest uh, 100 hectoliter fruiter we've got a red base in there that is our it's our it's a modification of our dissident uh recipe with kind of the dropped down hop to kind of make it a little bit more friendly for uh, some bacterial action that we've got five of those fruiters filled with uh with a just a golden sour base right now and then we've got one with a dark sour base so what we're what our intent is and what our what our goal is here is to get these guys going with the pale sour base we kind of figured we're, we'll probably have more projects down the road that would be um, that that would be a suitable blending component for so with those uh, the goal is to try to stagger the ages on those a little bit so that we'll have beer at various states of de- development and just kind of a continual cycle coming through um, one of our fooders a uh, what is that? The one of our thirty hectoliter fruiters is actually uh, really set up well for uh, fruit processing. Just a nice big open hatch, nice trough at the bottom of it. Uh, we've done a couple turns in that, just uh, introducing fruit and kind of using it as a mixing tank, and then bringing stuff back into small oak after that. 
So every every fooder has its own purpose, but strategically, that's what we're trying to do. Is we know we want to pursue a lot of different projects down the road, and so having a good um, sour mixed culture blending component for those will definitely help us out in the long run. And we're like learning the personalities of these things too, right now, right? Yeah, they're all they're all being filled with beer for the first time, and we didn't know anything about them and so you know we haven't named them yet (laughs) every other tank down in our barrel processing area has a name except for the fooders yet because we're trying to see uh what they decide to name themselves (laughs) yeah isn't isn't lauren from new belgium that famously has names for all of her fooders and i she talked did she call them people it wasn't people but it was something like they have a mind of their own they're almost deities for her Mm -hmm. and i mean i don't know if maybe that's like too strong of a term but they're their own thing and they have their own sort of aura they're definitely yep. personified, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, you know, for Lauren, I mean, she has so much experience with these tanks. You know, I think of, like, personally, like, my, my relationship or our relationship, it's more of, like, we're awkwardly meeting each other. Because <laughs> <laughs> we're, like, we're all just, just kind of learning together. And so, you know, I'm not quite at the deity level. It'd be awesome to, to you know to feel so confident with knowing who they are. I definitely connect with that idea of like they have personalities and they, Mm -hmm. they will bring something on their own that we can't and shouldn't control, you know, that that we're going to, it's like a horse, you know, if you know a horse is going to kick when it's, you know, up against a rail, then don't put it by the rail, do other (laughs) things, you know, like work with it. Definitely. And it's funny how those things develop and, and also develop over time. That's excellent background, but we've gone much too long without talking about this beer that we've opened. Yes. Which is the the smoked Goza, which is almost gone because we've... Yeah, it's very good. <laughs> it's excellent, and uh, we've been enjoying it while enjoying listening to you two. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about how you make this beer? Yeah, so, I mean, we talked a lot about our oak um, sour program, but we have been making clean sour, lactobacillus sours um, at our pub. So this... Um, was an idea I started out I don't know maybe five six years ago at the pub and then uh, our pub brewer Robin Johnson put together this recipe to scale it's a oak oak smoked wheat mesquite smoked uh, brie smalt um, of course some pale and acidulated and carrot pills in the, um, the the grist bill and then a, a lactobacillus fermentation in our kettle. We did it in our in our JV 50 barrel system. We have a house culture of lactobacillus, so we pitch that at about 100 degrees, and you know, 18 hours later, at around you know 3.8 pH, and the TA is about 0.7. Then kick up the boil, add a little bit of EKGs, mostly just to keep the boil down, and then we add some um, hickory smoked salt, um, just in the hot back as we're sending it to the fermenter. So we kind of wanted different layers of types of smoke. So that's. That's why we went with, you know, oak, hickory, and mesquite in the different, you know, in the salt and the malts. And then just fermented with our house yeast. Our house yeast, while finicky in so many different ways, <laughs> actually does great with, you know, low pH. Hmm. So um, fermented that, um, and here we are drinking it. Later. This, uh, this beer, uh, while exceptionally good, is also exceptionally clean. You know, mm-hmm. it's and you can tell even through the the smoke character that it's just 
really easy drinking. I mean, I don't think if I saw smoked goes uh, on a menu, it wouldn't be like at the top of my list of what I'd order. Yeah. If I saw it next to it, it said Deschutes Brewery, maybe I would. <laughs> but um, this this I could drink by the pint easily. Cool. Yeah, it's really good. Did did you get? Is there a key to success on the the lactic part of the fermentation, or what? What have you been the the tips and tricks on on that end? Um, I, I have liked that TA of 0.7 for these for these beers, and um, we have landed to where all, all these fermentations in the kettle, are, or you know, or in in a fermenter, like 18 hours has been pretty dependable. And um, in our house strain, honestly, again, like with other yeast strains, they might produce sulfur and those types of things in, in, in a low pH environment. But our house yeast doesn't, and it also leaves behind a little residual sweetness so um it's been really great to work with in that manner um jay i think you on one of the earlier shows you brought up uh, that kettle souring panel that was at portland cbc a couple years back i mean i think that those guys uh breakside and commons and gigantic really kind of nailed things that um we also feel are, are pretty important yeah, like the yeah. CO2 blanket. Yeah, CO2 yeah. blanket, getting that initial pH drop to kind of avoid any other um, metabolism from other bacteria they might not necessarily want. Like a pre-kill yep. before, you know. We're not going in order. <laughs> 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 These are all the must-dos, but they're not in order of operations. So. Yeah, but no, that was the first thing I thought about is that that talk kind of, those guys really nailed everything that I think when you put that all together, it, it just makes for like a really sound process to make a nice clean lacto character and to veronica's point as well like knowing which sac strain you're going to be using and how that behaves for your regular fermentation will help kind of keep it clean yeah and i know this beer is um you know like divisive in some way i mean it's it's not brewed for everybody and i think at deschutes we make a lot of beers that are brewed for everyone and so in some ways i've always loved that this beer it's like you're gonna love it or you're gonna hate it and um and if you hate it it's, it's not because there's off flavors but it's just that you you know smoke and sour isn't isn't your deal um but we have liked you know intriguing people with this beer um and kind of you know, blowing their minds in a way of like I would never have thought that smoke and sour could could go together in a drinkable manner. Yeah, and just salt, all and these salt, big right? flavors. Yeah, I wouldn't have either. And uh, echoing what you're saying, this is generally a pretty polarizing combo uh, for for most people's palates. But but I think this particular example is as close to you can get really to a crap. Maybe crap pleaser is not really the right word, but I don't think that this would be as polarizing as most things that are smoked and sour would be, or smoked or sour. So yeah, because yeah, both of totally. those have their you know their fans and their you know and the people that just say no, I won't go there. Totally, and well, and I think what in addition to the cleanliness of this beer, which is superb, it's also that the acidity is pretty tame. Like the lactic character is pretty tame, and it and also the depth of the smoke for, with all the different smokes, you guys. So how layered it is. There's a lot of depth to the smoke character, and the smoke character isn't drowned out by the lactic character, and mm-hmm. vice versa is also true, right? So they both sort of stand on their own. But I, I don't know. I'm thinking, you think it's fair to say that you should kind of keep the acidity really tame if you're going to go for a smoked sour beer? I'm trying to think back. I remember some of these earlier trials where this beer was more acidic. Yeah. And, you know, we we drove towards a lower 
acidity level because of exactly what you're just saying. You know, we thought that it was either covering up some of the other characters or it was just kind of making it like a one-note thing. And, um, yeah, I remember we eventually brought it down to just kind of bring it into harmony with everything else. Totally. Yeah, that's, that's, it's definitely in harmony. This is a wonderful beer. Yes, it is. Absolutely. Thanks. We're going to ask you guys to hang on. We're going to take a quick break. But right before we do, Scott, I'm going to thank one more of our sponsors. Who could it be? Well, depending on how you read it, either Brew Guru or the American Homebrewers Association. Oh, why not both? Yeah, how about both? Have you seen what the free Brew Guru app can do for you? <laughs> I know Deschutes has, right, guys? <laughs> they, they are Brew Gurus. Yeah, so they are. That's right. They named the app after these two. So with Brew <laughs> Guru, you can effortlessly find. Yeah, this is a mess. The, the read is not effortless, but the app is effortless. Oh my god, effortlessly. There you go. Find deals, and this smoked beer messed me up in a good way, and save money on beer. Yeah, <laughs> and save money on beer, food, and brewing supplies. Level up your brew IQ with handpicked articles, proven recipes, and trusted resources from the American Homebrewers Association and Zymergy Magazine. And use the powerful brewery locator to find nearby breweries, tap rooms, beer bars, and homebrew supply shops and brew pubs wherever you are. Brew Guru will lead you to good beer. Get the app today and follow the path to beery enlightenment. It's free for iPhone, iPad, and Android devices. Learn more at homebrewersassociation.org. Effortlessly. Thank you. Effortlessly. Yeah. You know, it's funny. It's very humorous. The definition is, in a manner requiring no physical or mental exertion, it required extreme mental exertion from Jay. It's great. Effortlessly. Okay. I never needed a break so bad, so let's do that and come right back with Deschutes Brewery. This is the Sour Hour on the Brewing Network. Beer tasting games that train your palate, a brewery locator, and the brand new interactive beer style guide. These are just a few of the awesome things you'll find on craftbeer.com. The style guide is a beautiful example of technology in beer. Browse beer style families or turn on the automatic beer style finder and explore beer through color, bitterness, ABV, aroma, and flavor. It's really the coolest way to explore every beer style besides having them all in front of you. Go to craft craftbeer.com and click on beer styles to start the guide plus enjoy the rest of craftbeer.com the brewers banter blogs beer education how to host a beer tasting and the invaluable draft quality manual tons of great content that makes your beer better visit the new craftbeer.com right now and explore the website that brings you all the passion camaraderie and creativity of the craft beer community craftbeer.com celebrating the best of american beer Thank another great sponsor, Neshaminy Creek Brewing, three-time Philly Beer Scene Magazine Brewer of the Year, two-time GABF Vienna Style Lager Medal winner, one-time Bronze Medal Smoke Lager. But I, as I predicted, Medal Number Two. That's right, GABF. Yeah, Jay's calling it for Smoke Lager. Are there betting pools on on medal wins? 
uh, unofficial pools? I remember when I was working at the brewery, this didn't turn out well for us, but (laughs) (laughs) Um, there's a a beer blog or a bunch of beer bloggers that did a, uh, and this appealed to me, they did like a fantasy draft of breweries. And then I guess it's just whoever, like if whatever your team of breweries won the most medals, then you, you would win whatever the prize was. And I want to say we were like either the first pick or a first round pick. And we went over. And this is when there was like no limits of how much beer you could submit and stuff. And yeah, we lost. Yeah. Oh, man. We lost our, that was my birthday to that day, too. <laughs> <laughs> Happy birthday. Yeah. There's been better times. Anyway, Neshamini Creek, bronze. No, not a bronze, just smoke lager, any metal. Yeah. Count it. I'm going to be like jumping up from like the other side of the auditorium or you're like <laughs> yeah called it i called yes, it yes yes and then everyone's going to be like congrats man it's like no 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 no, I, don't no, no I just <laughs> i can't no never mind they've got a renovated tasting room with a variety of beer styles from hoppy double ipas to sessionable and poundable lagers to oak fermented saisons and sour beers free brewery tours on Saturdays new second location opening this past spring <laughs> check out nashamanycreekbrewing.com all right. Let's just dive straight into the beer this time. Yes, let's. We have a Sour Quad open, which is a strong sour ale aged in Pinot and Cherry casks, which sounds great. And I know it is because I've already taken a sip of it. So <laughs> this, is a, this is a big beer. It's big. Oh 12% ABV. But why don't I stop talking about it and reading off the label and hear what you guys have to say about it? Yeah, yeah. sure. Yeah, so uh, this beer was God, about... Um, fourth or fifth maybe in the in the pub reserve releases that we did yeah but um we're kicking around ideas for what we wanted to do uh we were doing about a quarterly release of these projects and so kind of lined up a calendar of things we wanted to do and we had this quad recipe that um paul arnie had brewed at the ben pub when he was the head brewer down there um years back and thought that it would be a interesting beer to get into oak and hit with some Britannomyces and kind of let it develop. So uh, Veronica and I each brewed uh, the same base recipe at the Ben pub and the Portland pub. Uh, It's pretty much equal split between Pilsner malt, two row, just enough of victory where you're pretty much like sprinkling in some malt kernels of victory and then a good portion of beet sugar. And um, yeah, so process wise we brewed it. We had some oak barrels brought up, the uh, pinot and the cherry barrels brought to each pub, filled them up, and then uh, sent back to our production facility where they were inoculated with uh, three different strains of bread, and then um, just kind of kept tabs on it, tasting, and when we thought it was good to go, uh, just kind of brought it out and got it ready and packaged it up. This was like our first and. In- endeavor into sherry those those big sherry pipes were like this project was the first time we we filled those right so that was pretty fun yeah i mean they're enormous they're beautiful um and they definitely provide you know a a richness in comparison to you know what what was coming out of pinot did we pitch lacto in there as well if we did we didn't write it down (laughs) (laughs) this is definitely our record (laughs) 
<laughs> just say that you lost all your records in a fire. That's what happens. Yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> that damn fire. <laughs> prior to 1960, every record was lost in a fire. <laughs> yeah. Something interesting with this one as well, though, is that um, one of the strains of bread that we intentionally pitched into this project was a strain that we that popped up on us in abyss back in 2009 and kind of got us heading in the direction of bringing in a flash pasteurizer for a lot of our large-scale oat products uh, we started we released abyss in 2006 was the first year in between the 2009 and 2010 release uh, we started getting some bottle returns and people are like, you know, this tastes off, tastes like it's it got infected. And, you know, so we started run, running the running plates on the bottles that were coming back. And sure enough, we had a, uh, a strain of Decra that we had picked up from the barrels. And so then before the 2010 release, um, we somehow did a quick turnaround on a flash pasteurizer and brought that in. And now um, we still to this day are using that for... Uh, oak portion of beers where we want to make sure that we're resetting and we have a clean slate on anything that we're coming up before we put it into its final package. But, you know, so we're getting these Abyss bottles back and we thought they tasted pretty good, you know, definitely had strayed and not what we intended and not what folks wanted to lay down in their cellars for a couple years, but it added the nice kind of little cherry Undertone that kind of played with the cherry bark in the in the stout, and so we isolated that yeast and propped it up. And I'm pretty sure this yeah. is the first project where we actually pitched that. Yeah, but I bring up the bacteria because I know that I remember the cherry cast being, you know, nice and sour, and, and, and so if, I think it was bacteria that was in the cast, so it wasn't mm-hmm. like anything that we intentionally pitched but was provided naturally by <laughs> the sherry casks. Speaking of those sherry casks, um, our friend uh, Brandon Jones from uh, Yazoo slash Embrace the Funk was on the show a little while ago talking about a beer he made in sherry casks. And I forget what it was called, but I believe it was something like Never Again. And it's just... <laughs> I remember that episode. It's just because he uh, had such a time keep like keeping beer in that barrel and all this sort of stuff but uh, i like the character that uh gives to this beer how was your experience dealing with the the sherry casks i mean they were tight i mean compared to all the other barrels that we have like dealt with over the years i wouldn't in, yeah. say that these sherry casks were pain yeah. i would throw rum under the bus i would throw tequila <laughs> under the bus like Cognac for sure cognac oh my god hmm. but these sherry casks are actually pretty lovely and but I, I don't recall the supplier. There's like there's three, and there was one that that we turned into a decorative item because <laughs> it, we could tell just from the beginning that it was not going to hold beer well. But the other two were um, yeah, surprisingly tight. Yeah, I feel like we got pretty lucky with those. I mean, the size and how you deal with moving them around. That, I mean, that adds a little bit of com- complexity. But mm-hmm. these were pretty tight. So I think stuff that doesn't work is really helpful to people. So, for example, cognac barrels, they suck because... Oh, man. Oh, man. They sucked because by the time we got them, they were just so dried out. I mean, that was a big lesson for us about just building those supplier relationships and really 
getting your hands on the best possible barrel that you can, especially for something that's going to be sitting, you know, in customs for God knows how long. And, um, yeah, those barrels were awful. But even before they got to they're old barrels. Yeah. You, know, you look at them and you're like, wow. How? Like somebody stumbled upon a warehouse and saw these dried barrels sitting in the corner and like, hey, you could probably sell these. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so maybe not that they were cognac, but more about how, how they were treated and how dry they were when you got them? I mean, yeah, I mean, yes, all those things, but um, we haven't revisited cognac. I think it, it left such a bad taste in our mouth, and that, at least for that project, we haven't found, you know, a different supplier of cognac, or we don't know if that's kind of a, a common thread. With tequila and rum, it's kind of been a common thread, and um, we're seeing brokers even now acknowledging okay the quality of these these casts haven't been up to to you know what brewers want and we need to look into like that customs piece and the, and, and transferring these barrels and and that sort of thing so i think overall the industry and, and that kind of supply chain has improved but um, you know, back when we first used those cognac barrels, it was like, well, this is the one of the first unique barrel types that we, we have, we, we've worked with, so let's give it a go. Let's, you know, take a risk. But, um, it, yeah, it was a lesson learned for sure. Yeah, spirit barrels are very tough to deal with. I yell at them almost on a daily basis for their <laughs> terrible traits. And I feel like sour and wild beers especially hard to put in them. The nice thing about the sherry cask is it's, you know, oversized, so that's good for oxygen ingress, but bourbon barrels and kind of reformatted bourbon barrels are bad for that. So, uh, you know, for, for sour beer, you're talking about a lot of acetic acid production, which is going to lead to ethyl acetate. And when you're putting a beer into a spirit barrel, at least from my experience, uh, Ben and Veronica, you can speak to this as well with clean beers. You know, I think you have a much larger leeway on how much time you can leave it in contact. And some of the young spirit character is kind of weird. It's not pleasant and it takes a while to round out. And it's possible a sour beer, a beer that already has acidity, may just see too much oxygen while you're waiting for the spirit character to, to either round out or extract enough. So hmm. that's that's why I get frustrated with the spirit barrels gotcha. all the time. I love wine barrels. They're yeah. nice. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I would definitely say that for our sour beer and our sour program, <clears throat> wine barrels, share, a couple sherry casks we'll, make, we'll keep. We have these new punchins and the fooders. It's like that. that is what we're going to continue to move yeah. forward on. And we have a we have a small portion of some of that uh, dark uh, base beer that we did for one of the fooders that we did that we put into second fill uh, bourbon barrels that's hanging out right now. But yeah, to your point, Jay, like we're keeping a close eye on it just with those barrels just being generally thinner staves and not meant to be used over and over again and bend with just such a low humidity. I mean, it's like we really have to stay on it and just really know what's going on in there when it's ready to go and are we going to top things off like we got to have a pretty clear plan in place yeah where most people are talking about uh you know dehumidifying their their barrel warehouses we are in that unique situation in bend oregon where it is dry here so Mm. 
Gotcha. And then, you know, that definitely adds another layer to the issues. Sure. Ben, Veronica, we're uh, up against our first show break, but we're hoping you can hang on and we can open uh, another beer with you guys. We can do that. I think we can hang on. <laughs> Sweet. Excellent. Well, Scott, before we go to our show break, I'm just yep. going to thank one more sponsor, yes. the iDip. iDip. Do you? You dip. It's a home or commercial use water testing kit, which incorporates a revolutionary firmware, which is the first and only on the market with its own app. The iDip can perform over 40 different water quality tests for things like chloride, calcium hardness, pH, sulfate, and much more. Podcast listeners, that's you, should enter code TBN10 at checkout at, tech, tech out? at checkout and save Talk 10. Talk much, good one. Just on Wednesdays. <laughs> and save $10 on either the standard or advanced smart brew testing kit. I'm really bad at reading today. Yeah. Order now and make this futuristic technology part of your brewing process. Visit www.smartbrewkit.com. All right. There we go. Let's wrap this up. That was okay. I mean, it was not a bad that read. read. Or yeah. the show. Oh, the show, the show was, was fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Those beers yeah. are really good. And we got what? We got one more or two more? Yeah. One more? Uh, uh, beers, I think we got one more. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Big thanks to Deschutes Brewery, Ben and Veronica. Very kind to be joining us. Thanks to you, Scott. You're welcome. Thanks to all the sponsors that bring you the show. Thanks to you guys for listening. Until next time, stay sour. Check out.